Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. I'm so glad to see you all here this morning. We love you. And um, we're going to have a great time, amen. So today I'm going to jump back into what we were talking about um, before Resurrection Sunday. Um, we took a bit of a detour last week because of the week that was in it. Um, but we were talking about persecution. And we were talking about um, making sure that we are prepared for the days ahead. Amen. So that's what we began to look at a few weeks back. And we were on the topic of persecution, particularly that which will come against the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hands up the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Everyone that's born again of the Spirit of God, you are the church. It's not just island church. It's not just this building. It's not just a particular church or faction or denomination. It is the church. It is the body. Right? We're part of it and it's one big body. Right? We are the church of Jesus Christ. And persecution will come against the church. Right? And when we take a stand for Jesus and his word, we can be guaranteed that persecution will come. But the question that we need to ask ourselves is this, are we prepared to stand? Are we prepared to stand? You see, we look at some of the things that's going on in the world right now, even some of the things that's going on in this country. You know, um, they're not, it's not what you would call severe, right? As, in, as it is in other parts of the world pushback and persecution against the church and against our faith and against Jesus, right? And, and you can see it growing and taking, it and taking um, speed with things as it's progressing, but it's, in some countries, it's like people's lives are at risk, right? They're, they're facing death on a daily basis, physical death, right? They're facing beating and stonings and everything else, right? So we need to get ourselves in a place spiritually, right? in our hearts, in our heart of hearts, that we are sure to be sure that we're prepared to stand, that no matter what comes against us, that we are going to stand for his name and his word, right? And this is some of the stuff that we started talking about. You know, um, we looked at John chapter 15 and discovered that the world will have a strong dislike or even like a hatred towards those who follow Jesus and those who stand for Jesus. Why? Because it happened to Jesus himself, Amen. Go read the Gospels. It will tell you Jesus faced persecution on a daily basis. Jesus wasn't walking around, you know, when everybody loved him everywhere he went, right? Jesus received a lot of pushback. Jesus received a lot of persecution from people, right? But he didn't, he didn't allow those things to stop him. And, and he taught us so many lessons in the midst of that. He says, those, those who reject me will reject you. Those who hate you will hate me, will hate me, will hate you. And we aren't to think that these things are strange, Remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. We're not to think these things are strange. People are like, oh my goodness, why is these things happening to me? Why is these things happening to me? Why is, why does, why is people coming against me? You shouldn't think that's strange. If you're, if you're doing what God's called you to do, if you're walking in, in what he wants you to walk in and, and walking in victory and walking in his power, it, those things are going to come against you. In fact, you should find it strange if they're not coming against you. Why? Because Paul wrote a letter to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he said... For all those who desire to live godly will face persecution. So if you're desiring to live godly, if you're desiring to live a life pleasing to God, if you're desiring to live a life in obedience to him and, and, and worship to him, then you will face persecution. Why? Because the Bible tells us. Jesus told us himself, right? And it's, it's in there for us to know to be prepared for what's ahead and the days that are ahead. You know, and as I started meditating on a lot of these things, it, it, it started just to become clearer to me the way the Lord was kind of putting things in my heart. And for weeks, 
excuse me, for weeks before this, um, I suppose since the turn of the year, maybe even just before, we were talking about intimacy on Sunday mornings. I did a series on intimacy. I did a series on what it truly means to know Jesus. We broke that word no down, what it means that it's not just a, uh, that's not just a secondhand knowledge. It's a firsthand experiential knowledge. It's firsthand, which means it's personal to you. You know it. You don't know him through somebody else. Somebody else may introduce you to him, but then you get a, your own personal relationship. You can't live on somebody else's. And we looked at all the importance of these things. Then we started going into talking about holiness, living our lives, walking in his light, obeying his commands, right? Which is a sure sign. It is a test of knowing whether we're intimate with him or not. Because it says that in 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. If you obey his commands, then you truly know him, that you're intimate with him if you do what he says. So we talked about all these things, and then we talked about what it meant to be in true fellowship with God, what that word koinonia means, and, and First John speaks about it quite a lot, and what it means to be in fellowship with him. And it just brought up to my mind as I was thinking about that that's the direction that the Lord took me in. It, it, it made me think of what Paul said to Timothy in the midst of severe, severe persecution and imprisonment. And we looked at this last week, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12. It says, for this reason, I also suffer these things, you know, which he was referring to persecution. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. So we studied this verse out the last day. I'm not going to get into it, but the gist of it is Paul had a deep personal relationship with Jesus and nothing was going to stop him from preaching the gospel. Why? Because Paul was prepared to stand. And I can tell you, we're going to look at some of these things today. Some, he come, came against up something. We don't know nothing of the, of, the, of, the, of the severity of what he came up against, right? And he was prepared to stand. Why? Because he came from a place of personal relationship, of fellowship, of koinonia. And I was like, Lord, this is why you wanted us to establish these things. This is why you wanted us to get these things firmly checked in our hearts and, and, and fixed in our hearts if they're not in the right place. Because why, church? Because I'm telling you, you will not be able to stand with, with what is coming or persecution-wise or different things, pushback coming in the days ahead. It's going to be very difficult for you to stand on what you believe and to stand for his name and his word if you're not intimate if you're not in a fellowship with him it is it's going to be extremely difficult I would nearly say it's it is impossible because you need to have it you need to be coming from that place of relationship with him you have to have a personal relationship with him and then in that place you're going to find your strength and your boldness and what you need to get you through amen so Paul said himself he no longer valued his own life why because he now recognized his life in Christ Galatians 2.20, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's not my life anymore. Christ lives in me. So everything that was coming against him, he didn't take it personally because he was like, it's not my life anyway. I'm doing this for Christ. It's Christ's life in me. He fully committed himself and his call into the Lord, and he knew that God would keep that which he committed to him. You know, when you fully commit to something, would you agree that when you fully commit to something, you're not easily pushed aside, Right? That's when you commit to a relationship, when you commit to, you know, taking up a sport, when you commit to whatever it may be, commit to, you know, a new diet or whatever. If you're a strong-willed person, you've got good willpower, you've got, you know, you're not easily pushed aside at the first hurdle. You're not like, all right, well, that's it. I'm giving up. Or when the first sign of a, of a, of a storm in your relationship, even though you committed to that person, all right, whatever, I'm, I'm done. 
No, commitment means that you're not easily pushed aside, right? So Paul uses the word commit, commitment here. And when you fully commit to something, when you fully commit yourself to Jesus, you'll be able to stand for him and his word. You'll be able to stand up for his name. You'll be able to stand in the midst of persecution and pushback. But the commitment, church, has to come first. A lot of the times we don't commit to him. We don't. Paul's talking about, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that that which I have committed to him, meaning my, myself, meaning himself and his calling, I have committed to him. I know he will keep that. He will keep that for me until the day. So what he's saying there is, I had to commit to him first these things. We can't expect God to keep something if we haven't, got, if we haven't committed to him. You have to commit to him first, and then he'll keep it. Amen. Then he will keep it for you. You have to commit to him. He wants your commitment. He wants your heart. So what is persecution and why does it come? And quickly recap before I move on here. You know, we talked about some of these things in that week that I shared. And, you know, we talked about, you know, there's an antichrist spirit, right? There's an antichrist spirit in the world today, right? There was back then, it's today, it's there, right? There's an antichrist individual who comes, who will come, it's prophesied, it will come. You know, when the church is taken out of the way, antichrist spirit will come, the antichrist will come. And he will claim himself to be Jesus. He'll want to fix everything, say, I'm the savior of the world, blah, blah, blah. And then <laughs> midway into that time of that tribulation, he's going to go in, sit on the throne in the temple and claim to be Jesus himself, right? Then there's the Antichrist spirit, which is the spirit that's in operation in the Antichrist and in other Antichrist people that's been alive across this globe, right? And then there's Antichrist, as in people where the this, where this spirit is in operation through them right? So what are these people, what is, what is this antichrist spirit? It's about, it's, it's the work of Satan. Why? To stop the spread of the gospel, to stop the good news of Jesus Christ, to stop Jesus's kingdom advancing, but he's not going to, it's going to fail. Why? Because Jesus is victorious. Amen. Persecution, when it's, when the gospel is presented in the power of the Holy Spirit, which is, it, which it always should be, right? Because we don't just have a, a doctrine. We don't just have a set of beliefs like a lot of religions have. What do we have? There's a demonstration of power that, that comes. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is demonstrating the words that we speak with his power. We talked about this on Resurrection Sunday last week. There's a there was a demonstration of power to what Jesus spoke. That's why the tomb's empty today. Okay, there was a demonstration of power. So when the gospel is presented in the power of the Holy Spirit, it will cause those who are under conviction to push back against it at times. It will cause those who are under conviction to persecute those who are presenting the gospel, say, right? Persecution can be a sign that those doing the persecuting, they're under conviction, right? How you live your life as a believer, the words that you speak, how you act, how you set yourself apart, how you consecrate yourself, how you carry yourself, what you do, that's, that can be seen by other people, right? And when other people don't live like that or aren't living like that, you, it's not even that you're condemning those people with your words because we're not supposed to, do, we're not called to do that, right? But how you live your life can condemn people and make them feel judged. Why? Because the whole, it says in John chapter um, 14, I believe it is, uh, or 17 maybe, I can't remember the chapter, but it says in John chapter, when it talks about the works of the Holy Spirit, why the Holy Spirit comes. The, one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. 
The Holy Spirit, it comes to convict the world of sin. So when the Holy Spirit is working through you, it's convicting people of, of, of where they are. It's showing people, I'm not where I need to be. So what does sometimes be the automatic response in that? They push back against it. They push back against it or they persecute, right? It's the power of the Holy Spirit through you that's shining a light on, on, on what they need to get fixed. Maybe they're not right with God. Maybe they haven't accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they have, or maybe, you know, they're not walking in that. Maybe they're not walking in victory like he he, that he desires for them to be. Maybe they're walking in sin. Maybe they're, they're yielding to things that is going to put them in danger. And God is merciful, church. Jesus wants them to come from those things. And, you know, sometimes he will use you. If you have an area of influence, he will use you. And the Holy Spirit's work through you through you will shine a light on what they're doing wrong. It will shine a light on their sin, right? And it, it, it can be easy. It, it's easier to stand in the midst of persecution when you don't take it personal, when you know that it's not just you that they hate, they hate the message you carry. Okay, and we looked at that last week or the last time. So when you are talking about persecution, when talking about persecution, the word Jesus referred to the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he not only is going to be our demonstration of power working through or shining a light on people when they need to be, but the Holy Spirit is our source of strength. He's our source of boldness, right? The Holy Spirit in us. It's not us. That's what Paul was saying. It's not me who lives. It's Christ who lives in me. I couldn't do what God called me to do without the Holy Spirit, right? I couldn't. I couldn't do what God's calling me to do without the Holy Spirit empowering me, enabling me, and, and, and equipping me to do it. Because it's not me. I guarantee you it's not me, right? It's the Holy Spirit in me, right? So we need to be prepared for the days ahead. We need to be planted somewhere, church. We need to be pressing in. We need to be seeking him harder, right? Not, not pushing back, not taking a back seat, and, and reminding ourselves that we are here to fulfill the Great Commission. We're not here just to have a good time, have a good ride and say, see you later, world. We're here to fulfill a purpose. We've been called with a holy calling. We are a set-apart people, a peculiar nation, right? With a purpose on our lives. A, 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 grand, a, a, a generic call, which is to preach the gospel, which is the Great Commission. And then within that, each and every one of us have a specific call, a specific destiny, a specific purpose. Mine might not look like yours. You might not be called to preach from behind a pulpit. You might, you know, I, I might not be called to, to stand in the streets and evangelize to thousands of people. I, you know, but, but each, each and everybody has, has a specific call, has a specific purpose, right? And, and you're to fulfill it. Why? Because it's the body and we, we all contribute to the overall health of the body. So we need to be mindful of these things, church. We need to remain faithful to God. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 12, not that I have already attained or I am already perfected or matured, right? This is coming from the apostle Paul. He recognized that in himself, that he wasn't matured. I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid a hold of me. There will be things that will try and stop you from pressing on. There will be things that will try and stop you from laying hold of that purpose. That's what he's talking about. I'm, I'm going to press on to grab a hold of that purpose and fulfill it, the one that he has for my life. Persecution is something that will try and stop you. It is a tool of the enemy that will try and stop you from pressing on, grabbing a hold of that purpose. But however, if we remain faithful to God, you will get there. You will get there. So I want us to be encouraged this morning, right? I want to build up our faith. Does that sound good? Amen. I want us to look at some examples in the word of God of those who experience persecution for taking a stand for God and his word. Church, we are, we are the New Testament church, right? Which means we're called to stand for him and stand for his word. 
Stand for the name of Jesus. Stand for his word, right? We're not called to, to, to conform to the world's principles. We're not called to, to, to compromise what the word says. We're not called to do these things, although we're seeing it regularly. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to stand for Jesus and stand for his word. Stand for what's right. Stand for what's godly, okay? We're to stand for what's right. You will face opposition, but what does Philippians 4.13 say? That we can do what? All things. Not some things, not depending on what the situation is. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, not on our own strength. If you're trying to do it on your own strength, that's where you're going wrong. It's you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Are you allowing Christ to strengthen you? Are you allowing him to have his way? Or are you just trying to control everything, doing everything yourself? Because he, he's not going to force you. He's not going to force himself on, into your situations. You have to invite him. Amen. And he wants, to, he wants to take you to a place of empowerment, right? So remember, if we get our hearts right before God and have a true intimacy with him, you will be prepared to stand knowing that the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, on the inside of every believer, will empower you to stand. And I want to look at the Apostle Paul. I know I've referenced him a few times, but you know, when you're speaking about persecution, church, he is like probably one of the first figures that sticks out in people's minds, right? And I want to talk to you a wee bit about his life this morning and, and just pick out on a few verses. And uh, really and truly, like it, it's <laughs> the depth that you could go into is, is, is major, but I want to just um, uh, bring out what the Lord wanted me to bring out this morning, right? And it turns me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, right? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says um, from verse 7, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong." What is he saying there? He's saying, well, when I get to the point of, of emptying myself that I need Jesus, then I'm going to be strong. When I allow him to work through me, when I allow him to be my strength, then I'm strong, right? So this portion of scripture is very often misinterpreted, right? It's very often misinterpreted. What was this thorn in the flesh that Paul endured? Well, let's look at what the word says. Let's look at line upon line, precept upon precept. Let's, you know, not just take a verse out of somewhere, and make it sound what you want it to sound like, right? Make it confirm what, what you want it to confirm, right? We have to take a look at the word in its entirety, right? Build line upon line and precept upon precept. So what was this thorn in the flesh that Paul endured? Well, the word tells us exactly what it was in verse 7 of chapter 12. It says, um, A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. You know, it was a demonic messenger sent from Satan to stir up persecution, right? This is what Paul's thorn in the flesh was, and let's, let's look at these things. Paul saw people raised from the dead, right? Paul, Paul saw demons being cast out. 
Paul saw many miracles. There was so much power and anointing flowing through his ministry, flowing through his life, right? That it was drawing many people to the Lord. Here we go again about this demonstration. It wasn't just a preaching word. It wasn't a gospel in word. It was a gospel in word and deed. There was a demonstration of power, just like it is today. There's a demonstration of power by the Holy Spirit, right? So I, t- really quickly, keep your finger there, but turn with me to Acts chapter 19 and verse 11. This is just what, going along with what I'm saying here. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 11, it says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were, bought, were, were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Wow. Right, so people, clothing that he wore or things that he prayed for or blessed or whatever, people took handkerchiefs, people took aprons or whatever that the Apostle Paul was in contact with, right? And they went and they took it because, you know, he's one person, right? There was many people doing the works of God at this time, like the early church and there was other people. But, you know, you know Paul couldn't be everywhere at once, right? So what they done was they recognized the power, they recognized the anointing that was on his life, they recognized the miracles that God, not the Paul, that God was working through Paul, right? The people recognized this. It, the eyes can see, right? And, and they were like, right, well, what can we do? Then they started t- taking physical things, right? And laying them, uh, laying them on the bodies of people that were ill or, or people that were tormented. And, and, these, and God was working, right? Miracles were taking place. So this, is the, this is just gives us a bit of an insight into how Paul was being used. Satan recognized, church, that Paul was drawing many people to the Lord and he wanted to stop it. Okay, just like he wants to stop the spread of the gospel today, he wanted to spread, stop the spread of the gospel then, right? He recognized how God was operating through Paul and he wanted to stop it. Paul was walking in victory. Why? Because he had a relationship with Jesus. Every time something bad happened, yes, but then God turned it around for his good. He's seen something good happen. He's seen people getting saved or, or you know, lives been changed, right? Powerful stuff. Some people believe that Paul had a problem with pride or that he was arrogant and this thorn in the flesh was sent by God to keep him humble, right? This doesn't correspond with scripture. It doesn't correspond with what the word of God teaches us, right? Even though there is an element of, yes, we need to, we need to be mindful of that we don't just think everything is about ourselves and, oh, because God works through us, we're this big, great, we're this great person and start to elevate ourselves or exalt ourselves. That's, that's a problem. And it is important, like that, that word the Lord gave us last week, I believe it was, you know, um, to, keep, to keep your eyes on, uh, on the rock from which you were home, Isaiah chapter 51, and, but also from the hole from which you were dug. Right? So you need to be mindful of, look, look at what God saved you from. He doesn't want you to stay there. He doesn't want you to stay in the pit or stay in the hole, but he wants you to remember, right? Th- this, is, this is what I've done for you. But now I want you to look at, at the rock from which the tomb, the empty tomb is now your empty tomb. Because of my empty tomb, you walked out victorious. You have eternal life through me, right? So there is, a, there is an element that we need to be um, mindful of those things, right? But Paul's thorn in the flesh wasn't a, an act of God to keep him humble, Right? God doesn't humble us in ways that will harm us, right? God doesn't humble us in ways that will humiliate us in front of people or degrade us or do anything like that, right? In fact, the Bible tells us to humble ourselves. The Bible says to humble yourself, right? First Peter chapter 5. And in verse 5, it says, God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself 
under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Church, humility is not something that can be forced upon you. Humility is not something that can be, that somebody else can, can, can give you. Humility has to be, come from your heart. It has to be you. It has to come from your heart. It comes from the inward out. It cannot be forced upon you, right? You have to choose humility. You have to choose to walk in those things. It has to come from the heart. I believe Paul walked in humility and God exalted him with a victorious life. That's how he was able to, to walk victorious. That's why he was able to walk in power. Even though he encountered many hardships, he overcame them all. Why? Because he knew what Jesus won for him and he walked in it. That's the problem with the church today. A lot of the times they don't understand or know or fully are aware of what Jesus won for them. But therefore they do not walk in it or cannot walk in it. Right? Because of a lack of knowledge, my people perish. So if you don't know what God's won for you, if you don't know the will of God, if you don't know his word, how can you walk in victory? You need to know what's available to you and then you can walk in it by faith. So what the word tells us though, what the word does tell us through Paul's life is that he was exalted and glorified by people many times, right? People tried to exalt him. Why? Once again, because they've seen the works that God was doing through him. They've seen the miracles. They've seen these signs and wonders that followed him and Barnabas and, 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 and the early church. They've seen these acts following these people, the demonstration of power by the Holy Ghost, and they desired those things. They wanted to be around it. But then in the meantime, they, want, they tried to elevate Paul. They tried, and many times they, they tried to, you know, claim him to be a God. What did Paul do? Paul stopped it. Paul nipped that in the bud straight away. Paul refuted those ideas. It tells us that in Acts chapter 14, if you want to take note of that. They would have seen the kind of power that he walked in and desired those things for themselves. They would have wanted to overcome adversity just like Paul did. They would have seen, look at all these things. Paul's thrown in prison last week and now he's out again preaching the gospel. People are getting up, they can't walk. The blind are been, are been healed, they can see. The deaf are been, are been made to hear. All of these things are happening through Paul's ministry. And he was in prison last week. If that was me, I'd be still down in the dumps. Why? Paul was prepared to stand. Paul was prepared to stand. They seen the, 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 the things that were coming against him and they, they desired those things. So Satan wanted to debase Paul. He wanted to degrade Paul. He wanted to do something to keep him from being exalted by God and winning people for Christ at the same time. Right? So I believe that's what verse 7 is referring to. Paul's thorn in the flesh church was not from, from God. It was from Satan. The Bible says it was a messenger from Satan sent to buffet me, okay? So it was a, it's not from God, it's from Satan, right? It's important to understand that it was referring to persecution that Paul was receiving during the time of his ministry. He was coming under such persecution because of the effect he was having on the people around him, right? And that's, remember I said that a few weeks ago, be encouraged in knowing that if you're being persecuted or you're, you're receiving pushback for sharing the gospel or you're receiving like, you know, people are saying hurtful things or, or really distasteful things or whatever it may be towards you, spreading lies, whatever. Be, re rejoice in those things, right? Why? Rejoice in the fact. Rejoice in the fact that you're being, that you're being effective in the kingdom of God. The Bible says in Matthew chapter five that blessed are those who are persecuted for my sake. Which means when you've been persecuted, you're blessed. Why? Because Jesus called you blessed, right? Because if you've been persecuted for righteousness sake. Paul was coming under such persecution and it was the effect that he was having. So when we have been persecuted, rejoice, rejoice. Satan will try to stop the kingdom of God from advancing, but he will not prosper. 
were more than conquerors through Christ. And a, a tool that he uses is to try and weaken the ambassador to Christ. Who's the ambassadors of Christ? I'm ambassador of Christ. You're ambassador of Christ, right? As his church, as his body, as believers, you are an ambassador, which means you're sent to represent him. Why do you think how you live your life is so important? You should try to be mindful of that as well. We need to be mindful of that as well, that we're ambassadors for him. It's not just about us, church. We're representing him. So what we do matters. How you act matters. What you say matters. We need to lose this. We need to lose the attitude of, oh, I don't care. I'll do whatever I want to do. I'm my own person. I'm this. No, you're not your own person, right? You give your life to Christ. He gives you freedom. He gives you free will. Of course he does. But he wants you to live a certain way. He wants you to be an ambassador for him. He wants you to be a true ambassador. And, and, and that's to, to live your life set apart, consecrated for his use, a, presenting yourself a living sacrifice to him, right? So a tool that he uses to stop you, Satan, is, is persecution. Paul's, Paul's thorn in the flesh was not a sickness that he was given and meant to endure for God's glory, which is another common, common thought or really, really prevalent teaching is that it was a sickness, right? It is commonly thought of as a sickness because he mentions the word infirmity twice, right? So let's look again there in chapter 12. He uses the word infirmity in verses 9 and 10, right? So it says here, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is midweek, perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, there you go again, in reproaches and needs and persecution and distresses for Christ's sake. So church, even though it is commonly used to refer to a sickness, it's not limited to that word, right? The word infirmity is not limited to sickness, right? If you look at the dictionary definition, it can mean any weakness or inadequacy. It is a weakness or an inadequacy, right? It's not just referring to a physical sickness, okay? Let's look at Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. It's important that we understand these things to know where Paul was coming from so we can take some lessons from his life, church. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26 is a great example. I'm going to read it from the King James. It says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. There's that Greek word. For we know, that, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So in the New King James, it's translated as weaknesses. That word infirmities there, in the New King James, it says weaknesses, right? So if you look, at, if you look that word up in the Greek, the definition is weakness, which, which can refer to sickness, but not limited to it, right? So notice in the King James that there's a colon after the word infirmities, right? And then he goes on to say, for we do not know how to pray. Right? So what is Paul saying here? Paul's saying that it is a weakness when we don't, in ourselves, we have a weakness that we don't know how to pray like we should. It's a weakness. It's an inadequacy. That's why we need Holy Spirit. That when we're praying in the Spirit, when we're, when we're praying in, 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 in His tongue, right? He's praying for us. He's making intercession for us. I don't know about you. You may have a an extensive English vocabulary, but I don't. I, sometimes I don't have the words in English to pray, church, but I do have a heavenly language. Amen. And we're to use it. Why? Because then the Holy Spirit partners with us in prayer and he starts praying things that we don't even know or understand. 
but he's praying on our behalf. He's interceding for us, right? So this is what Paul's saying. This is a weakness. It's an, it's an inadequacy when we don't know how to pray, right? That's why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. He's not referring to a physical sickness in Romans 8, 28, which means this word means more than just a physical sickness, okay? The definition is a weakness, right? That's not just related to sickness. Paul was the author in Romans also, and he was the author in 2 Corinthians when he used the word infirmities. Why he used, when he used this word in his writings, he wasn't solely referring to a frailty of the flesh, right? He could have meant a weakness or something that you are inadequate in, right? So if we, get, go, if we go back a chapter, go back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, but go to chapter 11. If you go back a chapter, you can get a clearer picture of what Paul was referring to when he mentioned infirmities. And church, this is very important to understand, right? And like, this is something that we would teach in foundation classes or, or you know, in, in uh, Bible schools and different things like this, it, that it's important to understand for you to get a, a proper um, understanding of scripture and when you're studying things out. Chapters and verses were not in the original text. They were put in later when, when, for these translations. Why? For our reference, right? They're not bad, but they weren't, like scripture and verses, they weren't separated by chapters. Sometimes we take a verse in chapter 11 of some book, and then we take a verse in chapter 12 of some book, and we think it's completely separate, oh, because it's in a different chapter, so it's not referring to that. There wasn't, there wasn't chapters and verses in the original manuscripts. It all flowed as one letter, Right, so what, the, what some of the authors maybe by the Holy Spirit was saying a chapter or two ago, it still means that they're in the same thought in this chapter. Okay, Paul speaks a lot about infirmities in, in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, right? Let me read some of them to you. This is him speaking to the church at Corinth about false apostles that are starting to lead them astray. And he's coming against them and he's saying, are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. Now, this gives us a bit of insight also into, this is the type of persecution that Paul was facing. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things what comes upon me daily, which is my deep concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmities. Right? So, we need to remember that this letter to the Corinthians was all one letter. So Paul is continuing on this thought. Even though chapter 12 is a different chapter, Paul was speaking about a complete thought and he continued on with that thought when he mentioned infirmities in chapter 12 and verse 9 and 10 after he spoke about his thorn in the flesh. It means the same as the persecution he was referring to in chapter 11. Okay, These things were pushback he was receiving for the sake of the gospel. Even though it's commonly perceived as such, Paul never mentions a physical sickness. He never mentions a physical sickness. He goes on to say in verse 10, Therefore I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. 
all speaking of the adversity he came up against for standing for Jesus and his word. Once again, not referring to sickness, okay? It's, it's also helpful, okay, you might say it right, well, that's okay, but it's also helpful to reference the Old Testament when it comes to these things, right? The Old Testament in building an understanding of what Paul was referring to, because Paul was preaching to the Jews in the church that would have had an understanding of Scripture, that would have had an understanding of what was written in the Old Testament, so he's using these words to a people that would have an insight to these things. Turn with me to Numbers chapter 33. In Numbers chapter 33, in verse 55, it says, But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those who, let you, who, let, who you let remain shall be pricks in your eyes and thorns in your sides, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. So God told Moses to tell his people to drive out the inhabitants of the land of Canaan. So the promised land that God had for his people was the land of Canaan. But that land had, in, had inhabitants that God needed his people to drive out. Why? Because they weren't godly. Because they were going to tarnish and taint his people if they allowed them to stay. Right? If they didn't deal with them. But like many other times, the children of Israel didn't obey God. Okay? And they were left to deal with the consequences of their actions. In Joshua chapter 23, right, we see something else, which is, what, which is referring to Numbers chapter 33. In, jo in Joshua 23, it says, Know for certain, in verse 13, that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you, but they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges in your sides and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. So in both of these instances, the word of God uses the phrase thorns in the flesh to refer to people. To people. It means persecution through people. So when Paul used the term thorn, thorn in the flesh, he was referring to persecution through people. Okay? Taking all of these things into account... We can know that in Paul's writing in his letter to the Corinthians, he was saying this thorn in the flesh was a demonic messenger sent from Satan to buffet him, to harass him, to stir up people, to persecute him everywhere he went. You know, people, you know spirits can be operating through people. You know, a lot of the times we, we're coming against a person for, as the individual, and really and truly, it's the spirit that's operating behind them. The Bible says we don't, we don't, we don't fight against flesh and blood. But against, spirit, but against principalities and powers and might and dominion. All of those things, hosts of heavenly wickedness, right? So this is, it is the evil spirits that are roaming around here. That is what we are fighting against. And sometimes people yield themselves, submit themselves onto those things so the people, those spirits can operate through them, just like the Antichrist spirit, right? You ever meet people that's completely and opposite, completely and totally Antichrist, against everything got to do with the church and the Bible and everything else. It is an antichrist spirit, right? And it is, um, it is that, it's the spirit that, we're, that we need to be praying against and fighting against, not the person, right? So yes, Paul walked in victory, right? We know that from the word, but he probably endured more persecution, more whippings, more imprisonment, more ridicule, more rejection, and more criticism than anyone else preaching the gospel at that time. You, 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 read the, you listened to the list I've just read out a few moments ago about all of his perils and all of his problems. And we're like, oh, oh, such and such didn't talk to me in the canteen. I can't go back to work tomorrow. 
because I told them I give them a track last week and now they won't sit with me or now they won't talk to me. Or Church, rejoice. Rejoice in that you're doing something right. You're, look at, <laughs> get some perspective from what was happening to the Apostle Paul, right? It, it can encourage us, church. God used Paul mightily and his power flowed through his life, but it came at a cost for Paul. He had to give up everything to follow Jesus and the call that he had in his life. Plus, after he gave up everything, he had to face imminent danger daily. Daily. He writes about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to read it to you here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 31, he says, I affirm by the boasting in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. That's not talking about dying to sin. You die to sin once. Okay? You die to sin once. The sin problem has been dealt with. When you die, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you die to sin. And it's, you die to sin once. Okay? This dying daily that Paul's talking about, he's talking about the imminent danger that he faced. And he was facing physical death. He put himself aside. He put his own wants, his privileges and desires aside so he could preach the gospel. And he was saying, I, I die daily. He was referring to the dangers he faced every day in pursuing the, God, the call of God in his life. You know, the greater the pursuit of God, the greater the persecution. Oh, and we pray those things. We're like, God, I, I, I want to pursue you more. I want to seek you more, Lord. I want more of you. I want more of you. I, I'm telling you, church, he will give you more and he will reveal more to you. But let me tell you, more persecution will come. The greater the pursuit of God, the more persecution you're going to face. Paul wrote that he was pressing on as hard as he could to receive all that God had for him in Philippians 3.14. I press on towards the call to reach the prize of the upward calling. Because of his obedience and zeal for the Lord, Paul was used mightily by God, right? He had a servant's heart and with those things came much persecution. You know, what makes me wonder, this makes me wonder too, when I think of that, when I think of how Paul was used mightily by God and how he, he, he submitted himself in humility, how, he, how he, he gave himself, he gave his whole life for the gospel, laid it down for Christ, Right? And then he died daily. Then he faced imminent danger daily. Not just, oh, a snub from somebody on the street or somebody crosses to the other side to avoid you or, you know, somebody didn't say hello to you in the gym or at work or whatever. I'm talking about, no, it, it, when Paul stepped out in public, he was facing physical death if somebody saw him. Many times he had to escape by night and escape through different ways. Why? Because people were looking to kill him, right? A messenger of Satan. So it makes me wonder, so many people like to wrongly, and I say wrongly, use that term thorn in the flesh to glorify a problem or situation that they may be encountering. Oh, I'm just like Paul. Oh, oh how are you doing? Oh, I'm good. I, I'm, I'm, fa I'm facing this sickness. Or I'm facing this problem. I'm facing this situation. But it's okay. I'm just like the Apostle Paul. I'm going to motor on. I'm going to take this sickness in my stride and I'm going to use it to glorify God. I'm just like Paul. I'm just like them. I have a thorn in the flesh. I'm proud to say I have a thorn in my flesh. You're stupid to say that you're proud to have a thorn in the flesh. Okay? <laughs> we should be. Like I said, you rejoice with persecution because you know that you're having an effect on the kingdom. But church, we don't go around looking for it. We don't go around seeking it. I want persecution today. I want somebody to throw a rock at me today. Do you? No, we don't go around looking for, the, for these things. 
right? Sometimes people like to glorify their problems, wrongly use this phrase and, and, wrong, and wrongly twist this verse to say that, oh, I'm just, just going to grin and bear it because God gave it to me. I'm going to grin and bear these things. Well, if that's the case, I sure hope that you have the abundance of revelations that Paul had. Because that's the very reason why he said he had the thorn in the flesh in the first place. This man wrote half of the New Testament. He had an abundance of revelations. Therefore, Satan was trying to stop him. Therefore, you know, he wanted to stop him preaching the gospel. If we, don't, if we don't claim to have the abundance of revelations that we can compare, we can compare Paul's situations to ours, right? Many times we can mistake persecution. What am I saying, church? Many times we can mistake persecution, right? For, which is inevitable for the godly, right? Like I said, but we can mistake that with an attack from the enemy that you need to fight against. Oh, we claim this. I claim this because it's my thorn in the flesh. Oh, church, you need, to be, you need to hear from Holy Spirit. You need to know what you're talking about because you don't want to take something on that doesn't belong to you, right? And many times we mistake persecution for, with an attack from the enemy that you need to push back. Don't allow Satan to bully you. Don't allow to bully. He's a bully. He will try and bully you. He goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's not a lion. He comes around, he, makes him, he makes himself look like a lion. Right? Don't allow him to bully you. Many people permit Satan to defeat them and keep them from the blessings of God because of their lack of understanding, because of their doubt, because of their lack of faith. But then they're like, oh, it's okay. Oh, no, it's okay. I don't have to, I don't have to exercise my faith. Look, 2 Corinthians 12 says, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. I have a thorn in the flesh. It's okay. It's, it's not good. We can't compare ourselves to these things, right? We need to know the difference between the persecution from people for the sake of the gospel and from just a, a blatant attack from the enemy that you need to push back, that you don't accept. Even though Paul faced hardships, he didn't allow the devil to push him around, church. <laughs> if you read the book of Ephesians, you will get an insight into Paul's revelation on the authority of the believer. He knew where he was seated in heavenly places. Paul wrote that letter through the Holy Spirit. So he knew who he was in Christ. Paul didn't walk, go around from town to town like a whipped dog, afraid to step out in public. Oh, they're going to get me today. That's not how Paul carried himself. He had an authority and he walked in a revelation and he had a humility which produced a strength. He didn't travel around like somebody in fear. He wrote, I do not, I do not, you do not have a spirit of fear, but a power, love and a sound mind. If you're believing God to be used mightily for his kingdom and desiring to preach the word with signs and demonstrations of power following, then you need to be prepared for the persecution that will come. You need to be prepared to stand. Of course you should be desiring those things, but you need to be ready for what is ahead. Are you prepared to stand for Jesus, church? Are you prepared to stand for what's ahead? In what's ahead? What, the, what is the good news that we can take to encourage ourselves, right? How can we, how can we take encouragement and 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 truth from this portion of scripture that, that Paul was writing here, all right? It tells us 
the, the Holy Spirit showed Paul how he took encouragement in the midst of persecution. So if you're, if, even if it's a mild persecution that you're facing, even if it is something that's, that's pushed back or that's, you know, that's, you know, severe or that's, you know, harsh or that's, you know, that's just of the devil. Something that's re not nice to go through. If that is something that you're experiencing for the stand that you're taking, you can take comfort in knowing this, that Paul writes here, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. As believers, because of what Jesus accomplished for us, we've been redeemed from the curse. We've been redeemed from sin. We've been redeemed from sickness. We've been redeemed from diseases. We've been redeemed from death, spiritual death. Why? Because we're alive in Christ Jesus. What we haven't been redeemed from is persecution. Why? Because Jesus said that it was going to come. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they push back against me, they're going to push back against you. But, but, thank God for the but, my grace is sufficient for you. And that's not just a, oh, my, his grace will get me by. I'll have a few cuts, nicks and bruises, but it's okay. I may have a few hearts. No, his grace is sufficient. It's, it's, oh, it's abounding towards you that it can keep you full of joy, full of peace, full of his strength, full of his encouragement, full of his love, even in the midst of persecution. We will be able to deal with and overcome anything or anyone that comes against us. Why? Because of God's grace. Church, if God redeemed us from persecution, if God eradicated persecution, there wouldn't have been an Apostle Paul. Paul would have been wiped out. Why? Because he was the biggest persecutor of the church before his conversion. He spent his life grabbing people, going into people, or at that time, going into people's houses, dragging them out, taking them before the Sanhedrin, making them stand trial, throwing them in prison, whipping them, beating them. He held the coats of the people who stoned Stephen. He was the persecutor of the church. But he's seen the light, literally, in the road to Damascus. God changed his life. God turned his life around. So what does God want us to do? What can we learn from that lesson? That God wants to reveal himself through us to those who are persecuting us. Church, you're not, your fight is not against them. You're not to, to walk in hatred or distaste towards them. You're to fight against the spirit in operation. You're to say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to walk away from being the ambassador that God called me to be. I'm not going to walk in hatred. I'm not going to bite back with my words that I cannot take back. I'm not going to speak hurtful things. I'm not going to spread gossip about that person because they're doing it to me. I'm going to choose the higher ground. Why? Because I'm an ambassador of Christ. They can say all they want about me, but it's okay because I know what God says about me. I know what, who I am in Christ. I know what the Bible says I am. Therefore, I don't care what Joe or Mary or such and such at the office says about me. He can't do that. He can't reveal himself through us if we're, if we're acting on Christ-like. He wants us to love people, forgive people, and follow him always. He wants us to take a stand for him and his word no matter what. God will use you right in the midst of persecution, but you first need to be ready for a church. You first need to be prepared to stand because God knows where your heart is. God knew where the apostle Paul was. Asked. God knew the, the grit that he had. God knew the determination that he had. God knew the heart that he had. 
and he was able to withstand this persecution. God knows what we can handle and he wants us to get ready. How do we do that? Get more personal with him. Fill yourself up with more of him. And then it won't matter what comes against. You need to be intimate and be in fellowship. When we are, when we are, when we are, we'll press on and to fulfill our purpose. When we're intimate and when we're in fellowship, we'll press on to fulfill our purpose. And even in the midst of pushback, you can know that his grace is sufficient. In the middle of our weaknesses, he will show himself strong on our behalf. Be encouraged not to slow down when persecution comes. Don't slow down. Don't stop. Don't stop telling people about Jesus if they're spitting at you on the street. Don't stop telling, telling people about Jesus if they say, oh, here come the wackos again. Don't be put off by things. Don't be put off. Walk in boldness. Show, let him show himself strong in you, but it's only when you come to the end of yourself in your weakness that he can be made strong in you. You're on the right track and you will overcome in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul's thorn in the flesh was the persecution that he was facing. It wasn't a sickness. It wasn't sent from God. He didn't have some puffy, runny eye disease. Okay? You know, <laughs> if, that, if you can believe that from Scripture, you can make Scripture say anything you want it to say. Line upon line, precept upon precept. He walked in power. He walked in authority. He, it says in Acts chapter 28 in the island of Militia that he, he prayed for people and people were getting healed. Pop, 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 pop. A viper came out of the sticks and bit him on the hand and he shook it off and didn't even think twice. If he was sitting there with pus gushing from his eyes and, and, and this terrible eye disease, do you really think people would have been able to receive their healing from a man that was ministering what God had for them? No, church. Paul walked in authority. Paul walked in power. That to the point of that they thought even, oh, he must be a god. Look, that snake isn't even going to kill him. And, and he reached so many people for Jesus. Because of why? Because he demonstrated it by walking in victory. Yes, he had hardships. And yes, we will have hardships. But that doesn't mean you don't walk in victory. You walk in victory nonetheless. Amen? Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we praise and we thank you. Oh, we thank you for the hope that we have in your word that shows us points to us what is ahead, but it gives us the solution, Lord. It gives us the answer. It gives us the hope that we have in you. We're thankful, Father, for your word. We're thankful for your spirit this morning. We're thankful that we're able to come and receive from you. But we're also thankful for that veil that's been torn, torn away, Lord, that we could come in here this morning and we could worship our King. We could worship the Lord of Lords, the God of this universe, the one true God. Why? Because we have a personal relationship with you because of your son, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you. We love you, Lord. We thank you for saving us, redeeming us, setting us free, healing us, and setting us in a place for such a time as this. We know, Lord, we come into agreement now together, knowing that we are the body. We are ambassadors. We are strong in you. Even though we may have weaknesses, even though we may face hardships, we don't walk in those things. We don't give light to those things. We don't glorify those things. We glorify you. We glorify your power. We glorify the Holy Spirit at work in us. And we choose to walk in victory, knowing that nothing, nothing can stop us. We thank you, Lord, and we thank you for Psalm 91. Oh, we dwell in the secret place of the Most High. We're intimate. So we shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
We will say of the Lord, we use our words, there's power in our words. So we speak forth your word. We get into agreement and alignment with your word and we speak forth truth and power. We declare that no evil shall befall us. No plague will come near our dwelling place. No sickness, no disease will prosper against us. We claim our healing right now by the precious blood of Jesus. We walk in our healing right now in Jesus' name. Oh, you sent your angels to take charge of us keeping us in all of our ways. Oh, you protect us, Lord, at work, and in our homes, in the, in, traveling to and from. No matter where we are, your hand is upon us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us into all truth, showing us, Lord, by, by our, in our spirit, by your spirit, what we need to do and when we need to do it. Help us be submitted and yielded to the Holy Ghost in all things. And help us be ambassadors for you, Lord, as we talked about this morning spreading your gospel, spreading the good news, spreading the hope that we have. Help us walk in love towards you, in faith towards you in your word, always producing a corresponding action in the lives that we live. And help us walk in love towards one another as the body of Christ. And we declare, Lord, that here at Island Church Dundalk, we are covered by your blood, we're empowered by your word, and we're anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie